0: Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Chris to pray. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or our website for ways to give. Yeah, he's kind of saying, follow that guy over there. Sorry, whoever, I'll come this way. Um, It looks different up here, doesn't it? Yeah, I got a whiteboard. I'm going to use a whiteboard this morning. You have no idea what you're clapping about right now. It's. By the way, where are you guys from? Around here. Around here, different churches from different places. Okay, these guys came and just gave their hearts and worship. I just, my heart was lifted from watching you. So thank you for coming. Thank you. I love dancers. Um, My youngest daughter was a dancer. Probably still would dance beautifully. She's got three kids now, so her hands are full. But uh, um, we just love taking her to dance, watching her grow, watching her um, just be uh, so in love with Jesus and using the expression of dance. Some people um, have a hard time with dance. Um, They're called religious. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to be negative. (laughs) But, you know, there's three places in the Bible where it says to clap your hands. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you people, shout to God, a voice of triumph. And then two other places where it says the trees will clap their hands. So the trees got us two to one. But there's dozens of scriptures that talk about Dance. So just to put that in perspective, um, you're going to see somebody moving up here, and we'll have, uh, I I realize that right now, none of you can see what's on this board over here. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm going to write along the edge, right? No. Um, We're going to put a camera on this so that everyone's seeing (laughs) how sloppy my handwriting is. Um, And then when I get to draw something, you're going to see the seventh-grader artist come out in me. Um, my poor teacher, my poor art teacher, um, uh, I would always draw the same fighter jet. No matter if we were doing something about nature or, or animals, I would draw a fighter jet because I could draw a really good fighter jet. So I remember coming by one time and we it was a not about fighter jets. And she said, why do you keep drawing a fighter jet? It's a good fighter jet, but why do you keep drawing it? I said, because you just said good. That incentive will make me draw it 100 more times. I just needed a little, well, if I did a, like a cow, you know when, when your young kids draw horses all the time? How many, how, many, how many drew horses when you were a kid? Come on, let me see. See all these people. Mostly women just raised their hand. Because <laughs> guys, boy, I don't know. Our horses come out like cows. Do you want to see my fighter jet? Okay, next time I preach. Oh, no, which probably going to be Mother's Day, so I'm not going to put the fighter jet on Mother's Day. <laughs> Hi, ladies, here's my fighter jet. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm quasi-stalling just so to make sure that things are set up. So um, anyway, uh, did anybody notice an emphasis on the father this morning? Hmm. Um, last week, we were standing in the back, getting ready to pray in the green room back there. And, and uh, I knew that I was speaking this week. And I already had in my heart what I wanted to speak. And I, I thought for sure that Nathan would, would not go there. I didn't tell him what I was going to talk about. And um, he says, uh, <clears throat> somebody said, so Nathan, what are you, what are you talking about? Let's, let's pray together. He goes, I'm going to talk about Luke 15. And I went, oh, because I had in my heart Luke 15. I really felt the Lord want me to talk about Luke 15. So I just kind of let it go. And during the sermon, I felt the Lord say, uh, when I told you before, it wasn't a mistake. When I talked to you, it wasn't a mistake. Uh, I want to talk more about Luke 15. So uh, I said, okay, I'll talk more about Luke 15. So <clears throat> um, you can't have too much father. Um, I just spent a little time recently with someone who had some major father heart wounds and major issues. And uh, um, who was it? Was it Tyler or Caleb that did the hug? I think it was Tyler. And just talking about the need to be hugged. So I just hugged this man who's, who's gifted, who's smart, brilliant, and just feeling his claws in my back. I don't know if tears ran. I think some tears ran. It's not important. But the embrace of, of a son to a father is so important. The embrace from a daughter to a father is so important. Mother's Day, it's two weeks away. We'll get to Mother's Day, but I think God wants to land on Father this morning. Um, and I don't think Tyler had any idea. Uh, I, I gave some scriptures. I hope I sent it to the right email. Oh, Michael, thank you so much. Thumbs up. Um, just because technology in, in me are not like fighter jets. Um, I want to read some scriptures. As I, as I read them, just put them right up so they'll be one after another. And, and follow along. Matter of fact, if you want to... Can we read these together? Is that okay? Can you guys read? Okay. <laughs> it's just always good to have feedback. <laughs> All right. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. What's that with that? And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Psalm 68. It's right after 67. Sorry. Did I give you the right one, 68.5? I'll read it. Father of the fatherless, oh, I love that. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God. Father of the fatherless, protector of widows. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Oh, here we go. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. James 1.17. James is, oops, I don't, it's, well, that's that starts out the uh, the book. One seventeen is every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There's no change in God. When He shows you a truth about Himself, and then your reality says different, the truth didn't change. That is so important. It is so important to know that uh, Matthew seven eleven. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? I love that one. That That's just so beautiful. And the last one is Romans eight fifteen. For you have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We could just... Go all day long with scriptures about the goodness of God's heart. Um, the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> um, I, I, going to, to Luke 15, uh, I, I, as you know, some of you know, I, I taught junior high for seven years. And um, junior high kids have uh, an ability to try to deviate when you're teaching by asking you stupid questions? You know what I'm saying? So if there's a substitute teacher, heaven help the substitute teacher because they will get more questions asked on that day. <clears throat> and, and these kids used to do that, uh, especially if, And here's, I just remember one, we had, a, we had a Bible class. It was a Christian school. I taught every subject. I taught uh, algebra, uh, history, Uh, grammar um, the others (laughs) whatever they were and every night we'd have a Bible class and a couple of kids that I remember had a horrible time with their father and I remember getting to Luke 15 and talking about the father and their questions they would ask questions but it would be to deviate from the 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 class on fatherhood because it was too hard for them to deal and to listen in the midst of either being physically abused, verbally abused, or split, or a father dying, whatever it might be. And I just remember, you know, I would joke about the kids doing that, but I, I remember be, uh, the Lord helping me highlight why a couple of those boys did not want to go into that. Um, <clears throat> the, the world uh, that we live in is a, is a splintered world um, and I, I'm praying that the term father never loses its full meaning. Because right now they're going after every other kind of term. And uh, this is not a political statement. I'm not trying to go down a road here. But uh, it's his father nature is so precious. If you know, Jesus, when he came, he came basically with two main reasons. One is to die, to lay down his life, to shed his blood as a remission of our sins. And the other is to reveal God as Father. Now, so many of the scriptures we talked about, uh, one, two, three, uh, well, three out of six, three out of seven, half of them were Old, Old Testament scriptures. Um, and, but when I looked and, and looked at all the different scriptures about uh, Father in the Old Testament, it, the thing just kept going. It's like, I don't have time to go through all of those. There's so many. And God gave uh, the Old Testament believers back then a, more, than, more than just a, a whisper or a hint of who he was. He's always been as a father. I will come as a father, as a father. And, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. To them, he was, he was uh, I don't know, the great one, um, uh, the leader, the king, sir. Uh, it was all, it was more formal. But if you're, if you're, sir, you're living in a formal world. Uh, I have people every now and then call me, sir. And I say, you know, time out. Um, some of these kids that, that I had uh, in junior high back in the 80s, I know, I was alive then, back in the 80s. And they, they'd see me, oh, Mr. Dupre, sir. And I said, stop, Mr. How old are you? I said, 40? <laughs> okay, stop calling me, sir. If you're 40 calling me sir, then I'm 112, okay? So stop that. I'm Chris. I can't do that. Say Chris. <laughs> Even today, <laughs> I woke up and um, I was sitting uh, in my, my kitchen. I was looking and, I, it, you know, uh, I it, it guess this is today's birthday. Well, it was my ninth grade science teacher's birthday today. He is 88, something like that. And so I wrote him, happy birthday, Mr. Owens. <laughs> now, I'm 67. <laughs> he's still Mr. Owens. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he would say, oh, Chris, call me Larry. Larry. But that was kind of what it was like from the Old Testament into the new, into an old covenant, into a new covenant. It's like, no, no, he's father. But, but I call him sir. Well, don't. Sir's too formal. Well, I call him master. Well, when you call him master, that means you're just a servant. He is a master, but don't just identify him only as a master. Because that's not right. Well, I call him the great leader. Gosh, that sounds like a communist country right here. Um, If if he's a leader, then all you you are is a follower. But he calls you not servants, but friends. So you're not just a follower. You know, if he's just a king, then, then we're just his subjects. So your identification of him identifies you. Okay? Get that. How you view God identifies who you are in God. <clears throat> That's why it is so important to catch father. If you don't catch it, you're not a son or daughter. Now you are, but you live in the reality of a servant or a follower. And that's not how he's called us to live. I can just see Jesus the night before Luke 15. He's sitting around the campfire. He's got a smile on his face. Because you know what? He's been with the Father forever. You know how you say, I've known him forever. No, you haven't. You knew him 12 years, maybe 40 years. My best bud growing up. He's still my bud today. We knew each other. We went from kindergarten to 12th grade together. Got saved on the same day in 1973. We still love each other. He's my brother. He's my friend. He's not my brother, but he's my brother. <clears throat> and, and I can say, I've known him forever. No, I haven't. I've known him 62 years. That's a long time. Jesus has been with the Father forever. He's the only one that can say, I've been with him forever. Now, I can, I can picture forever going forward. I can't picture forever going backward. That's a whole different realm. That, that someday, you know, think about that, going back. It never ends going back. Wow. I, my brain can't get around that. But that's how long he's, they've been together, always. Proverbs 8 and 9, always together. I love that. And so he's always been with them. And <clears throat> I think I said this once before. Can you imagine Jesus growing up, knowing how good his father is? going to the synagogue and then having somebody in the synagogue get up and and a leader get up in royal, glitzy, you know, golden clothes and start talking about the God of wrath and, and start talking about God as someone who looks down and demeans you in his language and in his look. And you're sitting there, Jesus, the Son of God, as a young kid, and you're going, that's not what my father's like. And you hear that week after week, year after year, and you can't say a word because you're constrained by the Holy Spirit. So you have to sit there till for 30 years listening to people talk incorrectly about your father. That's a tough one. So I would think that he can't wait to talk about his father. And that's what Luke 15 is about. You have to put it in the right context. Luke 15 is about the greatness of God as Father. And he, he's been waiting forever to talk about this chapter. Now he sprinkles it in here. Uh, you know, teaches us how to pray. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he, he says, address him as Father. But I can address him as Father, but I can still, Father, forgive me. Depending on, on how, you know, Shakespearean I want to say, Father, um, Father, <laughs> Father, (laughs) how you hear it is how you receive it. If you receive, Father, he is the Father, the Great Father. (laughs) He knows all things more than Santa Claus. (laughs) He sees you when you're sleeping. (laughs) He knows when you're awake. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not really. But he's been waiting forever to talk about his father. And so the night before, he's around the campfire. This is, now, it's not, if you find it, it's just between chapter 14 and 15. It's on the edge of the paper, you find this story. <clears throat> Some of you are like looking, like, how does it, no. He's sitting around the campfire with a smile on his face. And you see the disciples thinking over, why is he smiling? Jesus is smiling. What's, what's he doing? I bet it's, he knows what's coming up tomorrow. Someone's going to get healed. Going to get another ri- rise from the dead. I can't wait. I love these stories. Jesus, yes. Why are you smiling? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I knew I told you it, it was tomorrow. What about tomorrow? Oh, I've been waiting forever for tomorrow. Really, Jesus? What's tomorrow? Tomorrow is Luke 15. And they look over at Luke, who's writing. What? Jesus, is at the end of chapter 14? Yes, okay. Okay. I just want to put it in reality. He, he is literally sitting around a campfire knowing the next day he's going to talk about Luke 15. So I want you to go to Luke 15, and, and it should open right up because we were there last week. And can I, by the way, can I say a fatherly thing here? Okay, thank you so much. Anybody else? Can I say a fatherly thing? Okay. Um, I love I love encouragement. I oh, it's the royce. Hi, guys. <laughs> These are some of my favorite people right back there. Ryan, Joy, and the girls. Oh yeah, I won't embarrass you, but would you stand up, please? And no. <laughs> um, What was I just going to say? Oh, I want to be fatherly. Um, I appreciate encouragement, and I know that as a worship leader, I've been a worship leader years. I, as a worship leader, it's so nice sometimes you come off and go, "Oh, the worship was wonderful. Thank you so much," and and uh, oh, you've, you're welcome. I'm so glad God connected with you and met you. That's that's great. And and so um, <clears throat> I want to I want to take what people give to me, but I want to take it as a crown, so that I can later just throw it at God's feet. People say, you know, don't encourage someone, uh, it'll make their head explode. No, I, even more so as the day approaches, we're supposed to encourage each other. That's, that's scripture, scripturally. Encourage each other even more so as the day approaches. And so we're encouraged to encourage each other. Uh, so don't be afraid that you're going to bump somebody's head into a, a larger hat size. Um, but I want to encourage you to do that. But here's the thing. This is, this is not encouragement. This is comparison. Oh, Chris, I really appreciated the worship this morning. You know, when someone turns and looks both ways, you know something's coming that they shouldn't be saying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Johnny, I, I, I love your worship. I, I, I can't really connect to Johnny's worship, but I really connect to yours. That's not a compliment. If you compare worship leaders, you compare speakers, don't be comparative when you encourage Okay, can I just lay that at your feet? To, don't, don't put someone down to put someone up. Because the person you just put up is now in an unusual situation where they've been compared as better than, and they have to now deal with this, and they shouldn't. We okay? All right. Great. Thanks. So, do me a favor. Let's compare last week's word to this week's word on Luke 15. <laughs> If I hear one thing, <laughs> I will throw you out to the building. <laughs> no. Um, that's just a life lesson. The thing is, we hear this, I'll just be honest with you, we hear this all the time. All the time. And encouragement is, is built in with comparison, and it's kind of like, a, I want to cut the encouragement thing in half. Stop talking. <laughs> okay, go away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Don't go there. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Now, we're we're going to do this, and hopefully, can everybody, oh, look at that. They can see that. That's so nice. Um, if I move that over, you can see it even better. There we go. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm back in junior high. This is great. Johnny, stop that. Okay. Um, Luke 15. Let's... <laughs> you always have one in every class. Now, I, I, what I want to do... Well, when I taught junior high, I had to talk to kids that are 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, in that range, except for Johnny, who was 18. No, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) He was in junior high for five years, by the way. (laughs) Um, I remember early on talking to the little kids and having, you know, first and second graders around me and giving them Bible lessons in our church. And you get around there and when you're talking to 6 and 7 year olds, you, it's different than you're talking to 13 14, but when you're talking to people that are your age, it's different. I've taught in college. When you're talking in college, is a different age group, different dynamic. So Jesus is standing in front of a group of people in Luke 15, and it's so important to know who he's talking to because the story outside of the context who he's talking to doesn't have the punch. So look at Luke 15, the first verse. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to to him to hear him. Okay. That stands for tax collectors. And that stands for sinners. Why does that stand for sinners? Because it's the word for harlot. Sinners is really general, but look up the Greek word. It's it's used all throughout the New Testament. It's either sinner or harlot, sinner or harlot. They just decide which one they're going to make it. In this particular case, Jesus is standing in front of a group of people, tax collectors and sinners, and the sinners are mostly harlots. Verse 2, And the scribes and Pharisees complained. Why did the tax collectors come? They drew near to what? To hear him. Why are the scribes and Pharisees there? They're there to complain. Why? Because he eats with sinners. Because he eats with them. So we got the, over here, we've got the scribes, and the Pharisees. Now, if I'm looking out this room, and I'm Jesus, and I'm not, never will be, never have been Jesus, but I'm just putting myself in that place now, Uh, I'm going to look over here, and I'm going to see a bunch of tax collectors and harlots. Sorry. (laughs) But I just don't see them standing together. Do you? Do you see the tax collectors and and sinners standing right along with us all, one big group? I don't see that. I see the scribes and, sorry, you're all scribes and Pharisees now. If they're tax collectors and sinners, you're all scribes and Pharisees. I don't know which one I'd rather be in. I think I'd rather be over with you guys. <laughs> Caleb is excited about being with the sinners. Okay. Steve S. Palmer is excited about being with the tax collectors. <laughs> Is anybody excited about being with the scribes and the Pharisees? Yeah, okay. Nicodemus, right there. Nicodemus. <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> I was just waiting for one hand to be Nicodemus, and you're all, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. You can still be a good person and be a scribe and Pharisees. <laughs> you're not, but you could be. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> now he looks to them. Verse 3. Now, you probably don't have your Bibles open. I do, uh, since I have to speak. He spoke to them this parable. Now, if you have a red-letter edition Bible, the rest of that chapter is red-letter, except for three words in verse 11, which says, Then he said. <laughs> okay? So, I don't think Jesus would go, Then he said. <laughs> you know. So, it's not the words of Jesus. The rest of it is, but it says he spoke this parable. Now I want to put out to you, there's three stories here, but I think there's one parable. I think Jesus is speaking one big thing with three little stories. First one, what man having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness, go after it till he's fine, which is lost till he finds it. When he finds it, now you need to understand, people back in this time are used to parables. So, I want to give you this thought. You are sitting there listening. Richard, you're a, scri- you're a tax collector or a sinner, okay? You're listening to this story about a sheep that's lost. Can you identify with being a lost sheep? Well, back in the story, you're a tax collector or a sinner. Can you identify with being lost? Okay, so this side identifies with being lost. This side, can you identify with being a lost sheep as a scribe or a Pharisee? No, no. So who's this story about? Them. They're lost. We're not lost. We're holy. They're lost. They're evil. That's what we got here. We have the great divide that takes place. Jesus is looking out over and he knows kind of like when I talk to third graders or seventh graders or college students, you look out in front and you're going, okay, this is who I've got in front of me. So he, he, he pulls out the story of a sheep that's lost. Now, I just have this feeling that this side is going, oh no, what's the shepherd going to do when the sheep is lost? And over here on this side, they're going, I know what I'd do if it was a lost sheep. And I just always say, you know, and, uh, you know <coughs> brother Billy Bob... <laughs> raises his hand, is <laughs> his scribe Billy Bob? Excuse me. I think I know what happened with the lost sheep. Oh yes, yeah, go right ahead. Well, he went and found the sheep, pulled him through the the prickers with long, uh, spiky things that ripped his uh, skin to shreds, and he, and he took him out and beat him, and then broke his leg, brought him back in front of the other sheep, and threw him down in front, and said, "That's going to happen to you if you run away." And over here. These guys are like, yes, that's that's what just that's what a spirit of justice would do. And over here, they're thinking, no, no. And then Jesus said, when he found him, he rejoiced, putting him on his shoulder. Basically, that that whole thing was he sang all the way back, got back, and had a party in to, because the sheep was lost and now is found. And these are guys are going party, no don't ever party. That sheep got out, that rebellious sheep, sitting in the pen going, I'm breaking out of here. The other sheep are going, no, what are you doing? Because I'm breaking out of here. She says, no, we got a good shepherd. He takes us to to the best water, to the best grass. He goes, yeah, but he doesn't take us around the side of the mountain. I bet on the mountain, the other side, it has better water and better grass. I'm breaking out. So he sits there, pushes on the fence. Night after night, little sheep hip, Putting the, and finally, it breaks, and he scoots out and takes his little claw hand. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm back to teaching junior high. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the sheep just, you guys coming with me? No, no, we're not going. He's a good shepherd. Yeah, but he doesn't tell us about all the other stuff. That's because he's a controlling, authoritarian figure. And I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to be controlled. And he goes away. And these guys, that's how they think it. And that's how these guys think it. It's like, that's what I did. But wait a minute, you, you party? And these guys are like, how would you party for something like that? And these guys are going, we know how to party. <laughs> We're going to have a party? Yes, we shall party. Oh, Yes. these guys are like no and then Jesus suddenly goes and and what woman having ten silver coins if she loses one coin does not light the lamp sweep the house and search carefully till she finds it well now now we've got a lamp over here we've got sheep and now we've got a coin well it's a very different world now um by the way, this is, it was called a drachma, and most uses, when they say 10, it gives it a number, which means it was most likely a necklace. So what woman has a, has a necklace with 10 drachma, which one drachma is very expensive, yet 10 drachma, if she loses one, here's my question. Ladies, if you have a very expensive necklace that has a number of different articles in it, but one of them is missing and it's noticeably missing, will you wear that necklace? Will you put it in a frame and put it on a wall? No. What will you do with it? It's to be in the back of your sock drawer. Because <laughs> anybody goes looking through, Oh, socks. Eh. <laughs> it's, it's hidden somewhere the most precious and expensive thing you have is hidden away. And Jesus says, what, what woman now, she's, she's lost this. So what does she do? She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house and searches carefully until she finds it. Man, she's got to go through, you know, one, she's got to light a lamp. Two, she's got to sweep. And then three, she's got to search. Got to light, sweep, Search. By the way, are we having fun yet with the whiteboard? I'm having fun with the whiteboard. You may be going, I feel like I'm being taught. Good. (laughs) I came to be preached at. I'm not here to preach at you. Matter of fact, I'm never here to preach at you. I'm just here every Sunday whenever I get a chance to share my heart in the way that I think I'm supposed to share it. If I come out preaching, then I come out preaching. If I come out teaching, if I get up here and cry someday, God bless it. Heaven help where I go if I start out crying. I have no clue where I'm going to go. <clears throat> My wife's probably watching, going, yes, that's true. <laughs> you have no clue where he's going to go if he starts crying. <clears throat> so she's got to do all that. You know, what did the sheep have to do to get found? Zero. It had to exist. (laughs) What did the coin have to do? What did she have to do to find the coin? She's got a light, okay? She's got to bring in more light. When you bring in more light, it shows more dirt. When my grandmother went into interior light, she was born in 1891. She died at 99 years old. She used to tell us stories when she was growing up. They had kerosene lanterns in the house. And during the day, um, you, you You couldn't see fully because the light would come in and the curtains and the walls, uh, you, you saw them, you got used to them. But when interior lighting came in, she said, everybody realized that their curtains and their walls were filthy with oil. No one knew it until light came in. And they had to, everybody in the street. She said, "Everybody in our street. Everybody was cleaning. Curtains went over to dry cleaners or to whatever kind of cleaners, or they did it themselves. And walls were being were being done because until light came in, you couldn't see the dirt. The same thing with her. She can't. She's can't, not going to find this thing until light. What is light? It's it's revelation." When light comes in, you take you take the broom and you start sweeping out things that you lived with but finally realized, oh look at them. I didn't realize it was there. And when you get rid of those things, then you start to look. But you don't look before the light or before the sweeping. Because nothing is going to seem different. And you'll never find the thing you're looking for. I love your wows, by the way. It's very encouraging. When she found it, she rejoiced, called her friends, rejoiced with me. What I've, uh, what was lost is now found. And a certain man had two sons. Okay, what son did he have? What's the? Uh, we we have a a younger son. The first story, younger son. We have an older son. I'm just looking at the time, realizing I'm not going to fully go where I want to. But you know the story, Nathan beautifully. Uh, unveiled it last week about the younger son and the older son. Uh, it's the, the one thing I want to add a little of that is that it says that he, he divided to them. And when, when uh, it, it was then divided to them, what does the older son get? By the way, let's just make this a pie. This is, this is how it goes. There's three, There's two kids, so the pie of the inheritance is divided three ways. Two kids... Divided three ways. How do you divide it three ways? The older son gets two, and the younger son looks like a face. The younger son, uh, that's a Y, that's a Y. The younger son gets one third, the older son gets two thirds. I used to think that was very unfair. I'm the youngest of three kids. I, that always seemed unfair to me until I realized the older son got this twice as much because he was now in charge of paying all the servants, paying all the bills. He was in charge of all the property. He was in charge of everything. Kind of like, oh, okay, you be in charge. I'll take my money. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and so that's why the older son would get it. But what else did the older son get? His father gave him the inheritance. What would be the older son's inheritance? Not just money, but what? Everything. The house, the business. That's why at the end of the story he says, uh, "Everything I have is yours." In other words, I gave you everything, but you didn't live in everything. You kept living as a servant. You, I gave you everything, and you didn't realize. I think the fathers here this morning is, "You have no clue how much I've given you." What you don't see is what you don't live in. <clears throat> So the older son stays there. The younger son goes off. We know the whole story. Um, but I, I love, uh, I, I was in, in Israel some years ago, and I, I heard this beautiful Jewish believer talk about, um, it wasn't about this story, but it was, it was about something related to the story. And it says, while he was a, a long way off, and so as, as Nathan beautifully shared last week, the father's out there all the time watching. He's waiting for you to return. It's not just a story. The father heart of God is always ready for you to return. The moment you turn to come back, and, and Angie was singing it this morning. what um, uh, what was, what was the, the, the terms you used or what you were singing about coming back and do you remember? Yeah, we we will return. Yeah, and, and so I was thinking, wow, that's that's absolutely right. And so we're returning, and in that moment, when that younger son returns, it says the father saw him a long way off, and then it, it says that he ran to him. Now, what? Th- this is what she was talking about. She, she, the The gal that was, was uh, Jewish believer was, was telling was talking about when men run. You see, in Israel, the, the custom at that time was that men didn't run unless they were going to war. The only time you ran was when you went to war. Why? Because you would gird up your loins. Now, if you don't know what that means, it just means you take the tunic that you have, you expose your knees so you can run. Now, when I first got saved, I remember the the pastor said, and he girded up his loins, and I just thought, I don't don't want to know what that means. (laughs) I, I I just, don't tell me. And then somebody said, Chris, all it means is he took his tunic, he stuck it in his belt so that he could run and go to war. Because you don't have the, the long tunic on when you go to war, otherwise, you know, <laughs> one guy's over here and the other guy is over here. And, you know, it looks, it looks bad. It's not a good warring look. You know, I can see Braveheart, let's go! <laughs> you know. <laughs> they certainly didn't have long tunics but we'll leave that alone. Um, (laughs) So it says he ran to him. Now, the son knows that men only run when they go to war. You're the father, you're going, I'm gonna run to him. I'm gonna pull my tunic up and I'm gonna run. That's no big deal to him. The son is going, oh, here comes my dad, he's running to me. He's girded his loins, he's running at me. I'm going to die. That's probably what he was thinking. And so he made a choice. He didn't run. He stood there. And it it says, you know, basically what he's saying is, I will die in my father's presence, then go back to that crap. I will stay here. If I have to die in his presence, so be it. But that wasn't the case. Dustin, come up here. I know. Yeah. So... It says, the father ran to him, fell on his neck, and kissed him. (laughs) Being a grammar teacher, one of the things I learned was about different kinds of verbs. I shook his hand, past, present, or future. Past. I'm going to shake his hand. Future. I'm shaking his hand. Present. I'm still shaking his hand. Present. I'm shaking it too long. Present progressive. Weird, yes. Present present progressive. That means I'm shaking it longer than normal. Okay? Father Rand fell on his neck and kissed him. Present progressive verb kiss. It means he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him. The son's expecting to die. Jesus is trying to tell us what his father is really like. I run to you and I kiss you. It's not a kiss. It's kissing and kissing and kissing. I kiss away that prostitute. I kiss away that drunkenness. I kiss away that gambling. I kiss away your debauchery. He just went on and kissed him until finally it's like the son is like, ah, you ever had that where your, your mom, when you were little or somebody just kisses you and just like, okay, stop, stop. My friends are coming. I remember one time I was in eighth grade and, and it, my mom dropped me off because I had missed the bus and I'm dropped off in front of the school and I get out of the car and my mother goes, wait a minute. Now buses are coming in 15 feet to my right, filled with kids my age. And when you're in junior high and high school kids are going by, <clears throat> she gets out of the car. She goes, wait, I didn't kiss you. And I was like, I know. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> And so she comes over, she starts kissing me, and she goes, oh, you've got something on your face. And she takes out a handkerchief, pff, spits in it, and, start, and, and the, the windows of the buses are going down. Oh, do you pray, getting kissed and spit on, yeah. You know, So I'm sure that that's, that's, what, that's what the younger son would feel like. It's like, ah, 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 get away. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to know how I feel about you. I think this is what the father wants to say this morning. You have got to know how I feel about you. It is not about you doing the right thing. I'll run to you. I'll come find you. The hardest part is having a religious spirit where you think you're doing everything right. You know, with the older sons, says, well, you've, you never killed a calf for me and my friends. By the way, that my friends, the, the connotation there um, is friends that you don't know. In other words, other friends. So he's got a secret life. You never did that for me and my buddies over here that I don't tell you what we do. Wow. He says, lo, I've been with you all these years. You never did that. It's like, well, you've been with me all these years and you say you serve served me all these years? You're just to be my son. You're not my servant. You never have been my servant. You chose to be my servant so you didn't have to have the responsibility of being a son. which means I have to appropriate what the father has. I would rather do it myself, get through this thing, and we're like this. I'm going to do the Christian servanthood so I don't have to be a son. I don't have to be a daughter because intimacy in that realm scares me. So when Jesus is standing in front of the crowd, he's looking over, he's tax collectors, sinners, harlots, prostitutes, he looks over here, the scribes and Pharisees, some, are, some got a decent heart and some are just hard as can be and the most religious of the most religious. And, and he looks, and, and so here's, here's my bad drawing again. Okay, how many of you drew houses that look like this? Okay, all right, and then you put the front door in. I know, it's wild, isn't it? pretty great. Thank you. It's not a fighter jet. I don't I, That's okay. I'll draw a picture just for you. Okay. <laughs> Why would I draw a house? <clears throat> because Jesus is looking in front of him going, you don't, you don't realize what my father set up was a house. Because he called himself father, that means he wants family. If he wanted an army, he'd call himself general. Jesus came to call him father. Why did God the father want to be a father? So that he would have a family of sons and daughters. It's until you, the level of father, or the level of son and daughter is the level of fatherhood you embrace. The level you live in as a son and daughter is the level of fatherhood you have revelation about. Not just in general, to you. This is a very, very personal message. Why would I draw a house? <clears throat> well, we got tax collectors and sinners. We got, we have scribes and Pharisees. Which one is lost? Both. The difference is these guys know they're lost. These guys have no clue they're lost. But they're both lost. Where did this one get lost? Inside the house or outside the house? Outside the house. Where are these guys lost? Inside the house. When he talks about the sheep, where was the sheep lost? In or out? Out. When the coin was lost, where was it lost? In. Younger son, inside the house or outside? Outside. Older son, was he lost? Where was he lost? In the house. Jesus is just saying, I don't care if you're in the house or out of the house. Unless you know me as a father, you'll be lost your entire life. And that's what I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray that if you feel the least bit lost, that you know that he'll run and find you. I want to pray that if you look down at other expressions of Christianity down your nose because they don't believe in the same power of the Holy Spirit, that maybe there's a pharisaical spirit that somehow you got lost on the journey of understanding the Father's love and affection for his children. I don't know how we're lost. I've been lost as a Pharisee and I've been, I've been lost over here as a tax collector and sinner. <clears throat> it's no fun being lost. The only joy is that, you know, if you get lost in this one, it sometimes takes a little longer to get back. But if you have light and revelation about how you got lost and you get rid of all your old thoughts and ways of thinking and then you search and you find him you'll found your way back let's stand together <clears throat> Father I just thank you I thank you for the simplicity of your word and yet the power of your word Jesus you just got up and told stories there's, there's sons, there's coins, <clears throat> there's all sorts of things. There's sheep, but none of them are the heart of the story. The heart of the story is you, Father. It's about you. This whole chapter was Jesus trying to unveil the beauty of his Father. And Lord, I, we can't do anything, grow anywhere. Um, become something unless your, your spirit brings illumination to that. So, Lord, we ask you to come. Illuminate your word in our hearts. Have us be honest with how deeply we know you. And I pray for a spirit within us to be humble enough to say, I need to know you more. and the younger son both had a shepherd and a father run to them run to our hearts convince us convince us that you're not just God but that you're good listening to the sermon of the week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.